A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi everyone, I'm David Garrido and welcome along to this La Liga Lowdown mini pods with Redis Dukanov and broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. We're not short of talking points in Spanish football this week, are we? Zidane back at Madrid, Atleti's crisis, Messi's hat-trick, Machin gone but Monchi returns to Sevilla. Well, we'll discuss all of that as we chat with all of our squad members in Spain. We start off in the Spanish capital as Zindin Zidane's first match in his second stint in charge ended as a 2-0 home win over Celta Vigo. How ironic that Isco, pretty much frozen out by Santi Solari, should score the first goal just after the hour after fantastic work from Marco Asensio and Karim Benzema to set him up for a sliding tap-in and then the two supposedly unhappy bunnies Marcelo and Gareth Bale should combine for the second of the Welshman's right-footed shot going in off the post. Uh, let's speak to Ewan McTeer who is in Madrid. Hi Ewan, uh, what main differences did you notice about Real Madrid on Saturday in Zidane's first game back? Well, there were some tactical tweaks. I mean, Isco playing as a number 10 is sort of natural and favourite position. And you had Kroos and Modric playing as a double pivot, although that was partly to compensate for the suspension, a very rare suspension of Casemiro. Plus, we had, you know, several of the old guard back in the lineup and, and being quite decisive. But, I mean, to be honest, the main difference from my point of view is everybody seemed happy. As <laughs> yeah, simple as that sounds, I mean, Real Madrid still weren't great, still had their issues against, let's remember, a relegation zone side. But... There was a lot of hunger and desire and, and they sort of seemed excited again, them and the Bernabeu. Um, there was no shrugging off of celebrations, no unhappy substitutions, no arguing between teammates, no press conference sort of prickliness that you sometimes got with Solari. That was all gone, everyone was a bit more happy. So, so is atmosphere more important than tactics right now? Absolutely. Uh, tactics are obviously important, but when you're Real Madrid and you have you know one of the best squads in all of football, if not the best, then getting everybody mentally in the right place, I think, is as important as getting them tactically in the right place. You know, if you get the players to give 100%, which I don't think all of them had been doing this season, then you can beat anyone. OK, let's talk specifics. How do you think Zidane's arrival will affect the futures of two senior players in particular? So Gareth Bale and Marcelo. Well, Bale's future is a difficult one. I mean, his agent sort of just said he wants to maybe finish his career in Madrid and, and if he doesn't want to go, then that's going to be really hard for Real Madrid to make him go. It's, it's, it's like a friend who's third wheeling. You might have to try and hint at them, try and make them feel uncomfortable so that they go and leave you alone of their own accord. But if that doesn't work, you know, you're ordering a dessert for two for free. With Marcelo, I think Real Madrid want him to stay. Uh, he's obviously the vice-captain. He's been there his whole career, really, for all of us fans here in Europe. Uh, I think Zidane knows how useful he can be if he's used in the right way, as he was for the last three years and before that. So Zidane knows how to use him, and I'd be a bit shocked if he were to go now. So basically, I reckon both these guys actually have a decent chance of staying. 
Mm, okay, uh, what about younger players who've emerged this season? So the likes of uh, Sergio Reguilón, Marcos Llorente, Vinicius, uh, where do you think they will fit in going forward? Well, this is probably where it's going to be trickiest for Zidane because he hasn't had to make a decision yet on Llorente or Vinicius because they were both out injured. Uh, he did decide to bench Reguilón and I think other young players who've done well this season will probably lose out on some minutes as Zidane sort of initially trusts the guys that he knows, the guys he can rely on. But let's just also remember that we have a sample size of one game, so we don't want to jump to conclusions from Marcelo playing ahead of Reguilón in one game. Maybe a bunch of youngsters could play next time out, we don't know. We'll see as over the course of the next 11 games. OK, uh, there has already been some transfer news since Zidane's reappointment. Tell us about Eider Militao. Yeah, well, firstly, this this has been in the works for some time. It's not a Zidane signing, even if it's been billed that way. But yeah, he's quite a talent. I have not been watching a lot of Porto, of course, but reading up on him, uh, speaking to people who have been watching the Portuguese league, the one word that keeps coming up again and again is quick. He's really quick, um, which I think is going to be really useful for Real Madrid when they're caught by an opponent's break. I mean, how many times have we seen Varane or Ramos, especially Varane, uh, running at ridiculous speed to catch and stop an attacker? I think we can expect something like that from him. Uh, are you expecting it to be a busy summer, Ewan? Not as busy as some others seem to think it will be. I, I think there'll be one or two huge, like really huge market shattering transfers involving Real Madrid. But I don't think we'll see lots of ins and outs. Of course, I mean, we're going to have lots of movement on the loan market as always is. But most members of the senior squad, I think, can expect to stay for another year. And I can only really see there being maybe one midfield addition, maybe one forward addition. Yeah, I think there's going to be big transfers, but not necessarily lots of them. OK, um, and in terms of the title race, uh, well, I suppose there's not really much of a race anymore, but with Atletico losing and both they and Madrid out of Europe, who do you bat now to finish second in La Liga? Yeah, well, Barcelona have a title sonder now, so it's, it's really just uh, the two Madrid teams to clash out for second place. And Atletico Madrid have absolutely zero momentum at the moment. But that makes this international break a really timely one for them. I reckon they can regroup, especially with Koki and Saul not having been called up. They'll get a rest. And I think Atleti will come back strong. Real Madrid, though, of course, they've got, I think, an easier end of season running. And they've got the Zidane factor, the sort of positive factor we talked about. So I think they'll have momentum too. I'd lean slightly towards Real Madrid for that. Not because I expect Atletico to sink like a stone, like some people seem to. But because I think Real Madrid are, yeah, they're happy, positive and going in a good direction. Uh, and just briefly on Celta, you and it's two games, two defeats under Freiskua. Uh, they've got Villarreal and Huesca straight after the break. So, uh, how much do you fear for them? Yeah, I fear a lot for them. They do look more solid under Fran Escriba, but I think he's inherited this team almost too late with the, you know, the opposite of a head start. Fide lead and Villarreal winning as well. It's now four points from safety and uh, we're still not sure about Iago Aspas's fitness and even if he does come back, he's probably not going to be 100%. So that's a worry. I mean, yeah, Celta Vigo are in a very difficult spot. Cheers, Ewan. And our next port of call is the Basque Country with two significant home wins to tell you about. Last week, Real Madrid's season looked like it was over and you could argue it's the same for Atletico Madrid now. They crashed out of the Champions League to Juventus and then just four days later, they go to Athletic Club and lose by two goals to nil to concede yet more ground in the La Liga title race. Both goals came in the second half. Iñaki Williams finishing after substituting Igor Cordoba had dispossessed Jose Jimenez and then another sub, Kenan Codro's shot deflecting off Jimenez to beat Jan Oblak after being played in by the impressive Ibai Gomez. Well, let's chat with Alex Johnson about the game at San Mames. Hi there, Alex. First of all, how much of a disappointment with the trident of Griezmann, Costa and Morata, especially in that first half, and why? I think it definitely has to be a very big disappointment when you have 
three players with the quality that these three possess and they can barely create a single chance at all. Uh, then of course we have to remember that it's the first time the three of them play together and nothing is perfect from the very start. But I still think we should be able to expect more of them. Uh, I was also a bit surprised with the tactical formation that Simeone decided to go when playing all three. He went with a 4-4-2 which put Griezmann out on one of the wings and he just got way too far away from the area where he creates stuff. So I think that was one of the, the main things they got wrong there. Uh, what about Atletico defensively? Uh, Jose Jimenez had a, a game that he'll want to forget rather quickly. Yeah, well, definitely. And it's something that I think Atletico should really have to worry about because their game is built so much around the defence and they've been one of the best in, in Europe and when it comes to defence for, for such a long time. But the amount of injuries they've had this season, I think it's 42 separate injuries, in combination with players getting older, not just having the exactly same playing material as before. The defence is just not keeping up to that level anymore and I think they might need to rethink a little bit around that. Yeah, they conceded uh, five goals in five days after keeping five clean sheets. So that's some slump. Uh, where has Diego Simeone fallen short in this last week then? And are Atleti in crisis? Well, he just haven't been on top of it tactically, to be honest. He got it wrong in Turin, he got it wrong again in Bilbao, and when perhaps he would have needed to do that specific tactical change during the matches, he hasn't done so. He, he made similar substitutions instead. And there have been talk midweek about fallouts between the fitness coach, Prof. Ortega, and several of the players, and after the match in Turin, there were a few players who, who wouldn't listen to him and ignore doing the warm-downs. So the harmony in the team just isn't on top. Is it a full-out crisis? I wouldn't go that far, but it's definitely concerning. What about the season overall for Atleti? Out in the last 16 of the Copa del Rey, out in the last 16 of the Champions League, second or maybe even third in La Liga. Is that a failure of a season? I think it, it might be in some senses. Like, Had we looked at it several years ago, it would have been a, a really good season for, for Atleti. But looking in the situation that the league has been this season, how Real Madrid have been failing and how Barcelona haven't even been on their top, this is a season where Atletico could potentially win La Liga. And they just haven't really been close to doing so. And I think that, from the Atletico perspective, should definitely be, be seen as a failure. We've got to talk very briefly about Atletic. Credit to them. They got the result. Uh, how do you rate their chances of getting into next season's Europa League, Alex? Well, I think they're definitely going to be in the battle, but we have several really good teams in that battle, so it's going to be difficult. What is speaking for them is that I think they're one of the teams in La Liga that feel the most stable, the most confident. They're very hardworking, very united. Uh, what speaks against them is that they are lacking that typical true goal scorer, uh, and they just have difficulties scoring goals in many matches. OK, well, while you're with us, Alex, let's just talk briefly about the Eibar Valladolid game, which finished 1-2 at Ipurua. Fabian Orellana scored the opener for the hosts after great creative work in the build-up, but Valladolid were then awarded a dramatic last-minute penalty by VAR as Marco Dimitrovic brought down Oscar Plano and Daniele Verde fired home from 12 yards out in stoppage time. But then after that, Cote's pass, Arbillas missed control, and that meant that Sergi Guardiola broke into the box and nicked a very unlikely winner to give Valladolid all three points. Um, Alex, first of all, what did you make of the penalty decision and how VAR was applied. Well, I do think that was a bit of a weird one. In, in general, I'm all for VAR when it's used in the right way. I think it worked really well at the World Cup, for instance. But I do have a problem with how VAR has been handled in La Liga this season. Firstly, I think it's being used way too often. And when it's being used, it often leaves very strange decisions coming from it. So I think this might just be yet another case of that. So if you can't handle VAR, maybe you shouldn't use it that often. Yeah, maybe the uh, the protocol needs to be looked at there. Uh, meanwhile, it's just a third win in 19 league games for Valladolid. What does this result mean for them and in particular for Sergio Gonzalez? 
well, it's a huge result for them. Definitely a confidence boost, and also the way they do it, coming back so late in the match to do it. Uh, it's so close in the bottom of the La Liga table that every single point you can take can eventually be that point that saves you from relegation. And I think for Sergio Gonzalez, it, it might just have been a win that saved his job for a while at least, and, and he's showing that he might actually be the coach that could help them to not go down. So will they stay up? I think it's really, really hard to say. Uh, I think it's between them, Villarreal and Celta, who will be the last team to go down together with uh, Rayon Huesca. But it's likely to be the very, very small details to determine who goes down. As we have seen with La Liga this season, anyone can beat anyone. So you can't really just look at the match schedule and say this team has it most difficult or they are going down. With all that said, I think Villarreal and Valladolid are both, for me, show more spirit than, for instance, Celta does. But then we don't know what effect it will have when and if Iago Aspas comes back. So anything can happen. Thanks to Alex. Still plenty more to come on this podcast. We're focusing on Barcelona as well as the battle for European places. See you in a couple of ticks. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown mini-pod with Red Sakhanov and broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. Still seven games from match day 28 to discuss and next we're focusing on the champions whose title defence has just got that bit easier with Atletico losing at Athletic Club on Saturday. Barcelona were at Real Betis on Sunday night. They came away with a 4-1 victory. Sergio Canales fouled Artur in a dangerous position and then Lionel Messi curled home the free kick, easy as you like. And just before half-time, Messi combined with Luis Suarez whose back heel set him up for his second. Suarez then scored the 
third himself with a superb solo effort before Lorenz struck a Betis consolation from the edge of the box. But Messi completed his hat-trick with a deft chip over keeper Paul Lopez as time ran out. His 29th goal in La Liga this season, 39th goal in all competitions. And Barcelona are now 10 points clear with 10 games to go this season. Uh, Roman Derquer is our man in Barcelona. So uh, Messi and Suarez will get the headlines again, Roman. But who else impressed you in this Barca performance? Well, I really liked uh, how Arturo Vidal played this game. I think he combined really well with his teammates. He adapted really well to this 4-4-2 formation Valverde tried against Betis. And a lot of people have said that we can't see Barca's best version with Arturo Vidal. But today he proved we can and that he was at a really high level. And is the title race over? I don't think it's over yet. I mean, there's still 30 points in play. That's a lot of points. But there is a crucial game coming up soon. First it's Espanyol, then it's Villarreal, and then it's Atletico de Madrid. If we beat Atletico de Madrid in that game, then I would say it's over. And what about Rabatis? What can they take from this quite heavy defeat? And does Kike Setien need to finish top six to keep his job? Well, let's remember that two years ago, Betis finished 15th without Kike. When he came on the next season, they finished 6th. And now this season, they're close to that result. But of course, they've also played Europa League. They've played Copa del Rey, making it to the semi-finals. They're fighting for Europe in La Liga. It's lots of games. Players like Canales, Rocelso, Carvalho. They've played so many minutes. They're so tired. I mean, Setien needs a bit more time, another season to prove his worth 100%. And also, while we're talking about Barcelona, well, they drew Manchester United, as you know, in the Champions League quarterfinals. They'll play at Old Trafford first, then back to the camp now. And it would be either Liverpool or Porto in the semis and at home first in that last four tie. So what are your thoughts on Barcelona's Champions League path? Well, I think Barca are favourites for this one. I mean, I saw Man United against PSG and despite scoring those three goals, that lucky penalty right at the end, they honestly didn't create many chances. It's true they had lots of injuries, that has to be said. And it's true that since Solskjaer has come on, the team has improved. But still, I think they're a bit beneath Barca's level and they're going to have to struggle a lot to actually beat Barca in two games. Yeah, uh, Betis Barca, by the way, our chosen game on Partidas Predictions. This is a, a video tour that we do on Twitter ahead of the big game that we pick every weekend match day. Uh, we all went for Barcelona wins, uh, but you didn't, Roman. Um, but no one got this scoreline spot on, so the rest of us just add a point to our tallies. Little damage done, don't worry. Uh, this is the state of play. Paco Polite has 24 points. You and I tied uh, for second on 15 points. Roman, you stay on 14, and Alex Johnson has 11. Um, Roman, you were also at the Erese Stadium this weekend for Espanyol against Sevilla, which finished 1-0 to the visitors. Wissam Benyera with a penalty after Mario Hermoso had brought down Andre Silva. Sevilla's first away win in La Liga since the 29th of September. And also a few scuffles at the end of the game. Both Espanyol midfielder Sergi Dader and Sevilla keeper Juan Soriano were shown red cards. Um, so Sevilla changed coach in midweek, Roman. They ditched Pablo Machin. They switched in Joaquin Caparros from his role as director of football. And he had an immediate impact in this game, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, Caparros is a very experienced manager in La Liga and he knew that in his first game as a manager he needed at least one point and he went for a simple 4-4-2 with two physical midfielders such as Amadou and Gonalons to make sure they would cancel the creative uh, midfield Espanyol had so he, he basically knew what he had to do he went for it he went for at least one point and in the end he managed three which is good and on Pablo Martín's dismissal what is your view on that decision and also the timing of it 
I mean, I think I, w- I would stick to Paolo Machin because he's a long-term manager. He proved with Girona, he-, he got them up to first division after a lot of work with the team. I'm sure he would have improved Sevilla in the long term. I mean, we've seen great games with his 3-5-2, which is a different system to what Sevilla is used to playing. So, I mean, that would have been something fair on Machin, you know, giving him more time. But rumor has it that Monchi wanted a coach of his own choice if he was to come back to Sevilla. So that could be one of the reasons. Yeah, and, and indeed he has come back to the Sanchez Biswan. So, uh, how does that shape things going forward for Sevilla? Well, Monchi is like a legend to Sevillistas. I mean, he's, he's one of those figures they're going to remember forever and ever. So, I mean, he's going to help Sevilla keep growing. He's going to find those talented players which can develop in, in Sevilla, maybe be sold for millions and millions. Or if Sevilla managed to become one of the international superpowers in football, you never know. Thanks to Monchi, that could actually happen. Uh, quick word on Espanyol, six match unbeaten run, but that's now over. Nine points clear of the bottom three. So uh, aside keeping them up, what else does Rubi need to, to prove to make sure that he does keep his job for next season? I mean, I think he should keep his job. He's proved he has clear ideas, he can motivate the team. And I always believe a manager has to stay long term. And we saw that Espanyol at the beginning of the season can play really well. We've seen they had a really good run recently. And let's remember, they barely had any signings at the beginning of the season. So with another season coming, with new signings, new players, fresh ideas, I think Ruby can do a good job. All right, thanks for all that, Roman. Well, now we're heading from Catalonia down the east coast of Spain. Well, the city of Valencia is currently in the midst of Fayas madness, but we've managed to wrestle Paco Polito away from it to talk football. Uh, first up, Valencia at home to Getafe in the race for that fourth Champions League spot. The first half, really just like a chess game. And after that, Valencia improved. They were more offensive. They had a goal ruled out by VAR for offside. They dominated that second half, but Marcelino's side couldn't find a winner. Uh, Paco, was a draw a fair result in your view? Um, not really. I do think Valencia should have done much more in the first half, where both teams were too comfortable keeping a clean sheet. But overall, I think Valencia deserved it more, had more desire to attack and had the better chances in the second period. And how does this result affect that race for fourth place? Well, obviously, it's an awful result for Valencia and actually not that great for Getafe, as Sevilla and Alaves also won and they slashed two points from the difference amassed by the Azulones. And don't forget Athletic Club, who are this close to also become a Champions League contender if they keep winning. And how welcome is the international break now for Valencia after all of their recent exertions? Well, it is going to help rest some players and hopefully be used by uh, Rodrigo or Parejo to keep building up their confidence as Valencia are facing a very challenging April and little details are going to matter a lot. Actually, Valencia have been playing two games per week non-stop since the winter break back in January, so they might be the happiest team in the whole league. (laughs) Uh, And uh, after the break, Hedafi's next four games, Leganes in the derby, but also Espanyol, Athletic Club and Valladolid after that. I mean, Champions League is still very possible, isn't it? Yeah, I would say the fourth place is as possible as breaking the current record of draws in a single season of La Liga. Because Valencia have drawn 16 times already, only two away from Deportivo La Coruña's 2015-2016 record. But if they manage to win games that they are used to drawing, Valencia might have a shot at playing next season's Champions League. 
And we also had a, a crucial relegation battle at the Estadio de la Ceramica between fourth bottom Villarreal and second bottom Rayo Vallecano. The host winning 3-1. And Manuel Suarez's header gave Rayo the lead, but just after half time, two goals from Carl Tocque Cambi in the space of three minutes turned this one around. And then Gerard Moreno crowned the comeback on 88 minutes. Paco, what about that performance from Tocque Cambi? What makes him so dangerous? Uh, I would say his unpredictability. He was also crucial last week in Villarreal's win against Levante. He's very versatile and has the quality to keep moving and poking at the defense, searching for a weak point. He's already scored 12 in all competitions, which might not be that impressive, but is becoming increasingly important for his team. And of course, it's four wins in a row now in all competitions for Villarreal. What do you put that run of form down to? Well, two facts, confidence and finally scoring, because the Europa League wins have carried over to La Liga and being finally out of relegation spots after so many weeks has only reinforced Javi Calleja's job and the work being done in every training session. What about Rayo though? I mean, they've lost seven games on the bounce and three of those having been in front. Um, who knows what might happen to Michel this week, but would you make a change at this stage of the season, Paco? I wouldn't. Definitely not, because Rayo and their fans have proved again and again and again that Mitchell is their guy. They fail together, they succeed together, and I think they still have chances of remaining in Primera under him, but if he gets sacked, not a chance. And of course, uh, the other news from your region, Villarreal drawing Valencia in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. So the last two La Liga teams left in the competition face each other at the Estadio de la Ceramica first and then at Mestalla for the second leg. Uh, which team do you think be happier with that draw, Paco? Well, this is a tough one. Possibly Valencia because they're overall in better shape even though they have a tendency, as I said earlier, to draw games inexplicably. But the round is going to be very close because, as you already know, Valencian derbies are a completely different kind of game and we can expect any potential outcome. Cheers, Paco. So that's seven games down, three more to round up. In the scrap to avoid the drop, bottom side Wesker lost what would have been a valuable point in the last 10 minutes against Alaves. It had been 1-1 after Jonathan Gayeri and Jimmy Avila had both scored penalties, but then John Giretti stolen at the back post to make it 2-1 to the visitors and Gayeri got a well-worked third. Alaves still fighting for European football. After three straight defeats, Levante drew 1-1 at Real Sociedad and Nanyanazai opening the scoring for the host with a tap-in. Borja Mayoral getting the equaliser 11 minutes from time. La Real enjoyed most of the chances though. Arguably they should have scored two or three. They just about stay in the top half, while Levante are six points clear of the bottom three. And Leganes suffered their first home defeat in exactly six months. Girona winning by two goals to nil at Butarque. Porto scored both at Cristian Stuani with flicked headers in both build-ups too. Girona are now the team with the third best away record in La Liga behind only Barcelona and Real Madrid. So this is how the La Liga table looks after 28 games. Barcelona top on 66 points, Atletico second on 56, Real Madrid third on 54, Getafe fourth on 46 points, Alaves are fifth on 44 so be a sixth with 43 points at the bottom West Cup up the table they stay on 22 points with Rabaicano second bottom on 23 Celta Vigo third bottom on 25 and then vital wins for Villarreal and Ravadolid take them up to 29 points well La Liga now takes a break for a couple of weeks but the Spanish national team are in action at home to Norway and then away to Malta in their Euro 2020 qualifiers we'll keep you across those games on our Twitter feed so feel free to give us a follow and get involved we are at La Liga Lowdown on Twitter and don't forget we've had lots of bonus points 
podcast recently in Barcelona, Madrid and Valencia. So make sure you scroll through and check those out while we're away on international duty. And of course, if you like what you hear, do give us a five star review and some lovely comments. They mean a lot. That's your La Liga Lowdown. See you next time. This was a Radio Stakhanov production. 